Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the West Kent Talking Podcast. I'm Martin Webber. The last few episodes were looking ahead to the May 2023 local elections with interviews from across the parties. This episode is about the results and what they mean. We'll also prepare you for a mass cycle event and discuss whether drivers are being fairly treated in Tunbridge Wells, where thousands have accidentally driven into an almost invisible bus lane and been fined. Whatever you think of politicians generally, you have to admire their dedication at election time. Candidates for the seats on our local councils were out walking the streets for months, desperately trying to get residents to talk to them. Even the traditionally easier route of shoving a flyer through the letterbox is now fraught with danger. Every modern letterbox now has a supercharged spring, no doubt designed to cut out drafts, but which also ruthlessly and painfully traps the fingers of every politician, even when they're delivering to a known supporter. We'll discuss Tunbridge Wells later on, but let's start with the outcome in Tunbridge and Morling. There, things changed but not by nearly as much as most had expected. Yes, the Conservatives lost their overall majority, but the former leader of the council, the Conservative Matt Borton, was re-elected as leader for another four-year term. I spoke to Matt and asked him exactly how he'd managed to stay leader despite losing seats. We've been able to do it because we're working in partnership with other parties and specifically the Independent Alliance Kent Party. We've obviously seen a very difficult set of elections for the Conservatives nationwide that we're not immune from. What we did over the last couple of weeks is we've spoken to other like-minded parties and I'm pleased we've been able to reach an agreement for a partnership between the Independent Alliance Kent and the Conservatives that we believe works for both of us. But you've only got a bare majority. In fact, if you add the seats together from your two parties, you've only got exactly half the seats. How do you manage to get your votes through on that basis? I was elected on the casting vote of the mayor, and I'm very grateful to the mayor for Who's a Conservative? He is a Conservative, yes, and he's been the Deputy Mayor for the last year, and we've got a long-standing tradition that the Deputy Mayor becomes the Mayor the following year, and that takes place in a lot of councils as well, regardless of who the Mayor represents, which political party they represent. We know that we're going to have to work together, all five political groups, and the Conservative group recognise and embrace that. So, Did you consider having an alliance with the Liberal Democrats, for example, because they're the second biggest party? Yes, we did speak to the Liberal Democrats. Unfortunately, we weren't able to reach any formal agreement, um, but for various reasons they weren't willing to, to do something formal with us. That doesn't stop any informal arrangement, though, and what we'll do is we'll continue to talk to Liberal Democrats throughout the next four years about areas where we've got common ground, and I look forward to, to doing that because I do believe that they've got the best interests of Tunbridge and Morlin at heart. Yes, there's political disagreements, but we can continue to do that. So you're in an alliance with the Independent Alliance, Kent, which represent voters in Borough Green. Does that mean there's now no chance of new housing going up in the Borough Green area? And if so, where will it go? That's absolutely not the case at all. We know that a big challenge for the borough is to form its local plan. We did a consultation last year, very well responded to consultation, and the results of that were quite clear in the sense of residents saying they wanted to make sure that development was spread across the borough. That includes in Borough Green and Platt. We're going to continue and produce a local plan based on exactly what residents said to us. 
Mike Taylor, the leader of the Independent Alliance Kent Party, has joined Cabinet with responsibility for planning. So this is within his area to look at now. And I will continue to work with Mike on that because we know how much development is a big issue in the area. So it has to be done on a cross-party basis. And I'm pleased Mike's been able to join Cabinet to add his expertise to the development of the plan. One issue the the Greens campaigned on was to try and get more traffic out of the centre of Tunbridge out of the high street they wanted a a one-way system to at least halve the amount of traffic is that something you would consider it's a massive county council they are the highways authority but the borough council takes a a big role in it as well yes and if Kent County Council decides that they want to do that, then we will facilitate that as best as we can. The Kent County Councillors in Tunbridge are from the Green Party as well. What I say to the Green Councillors in that position is come and talk to me. If you want to do something like that, my door is open. So it looks like you're going to be running the council for another four years until till the next election. What do you hope to achieve in that time? We want to make sure that our local plan prioritises brownfield developments first. We want to make sure that we've got more local lettings plans, so the homes that we do build are available for local people first and foremost. We also want to make sure that we're listening to people and that we're bringing people with us on the difficult decisions that the council has to make, and we will make sure that we deliver as best as we can for residents across the borough. The leader of Tunbridge and Morning Borough Council, Matt Borton, So there was disappointment for the Liberal Democrats, the Green Party and Labour, who'd all been hoping that they could have persuaded the Independent Alliance Kent Party to join with them to remove the Conservatives from power, which is exactly the pattern of what happened a year ago in Tunbridge Wells. I've been speaking to Anna Cope, who's a councillor from the Green Party in Tunbridge, about the election results. We have been incredibly pleased by the results. We have new voices that are going to be representing the people of Tunbridge on the council. So it's a really, really exciting time for us. But you didn't manage to dislodge the Conservatives from the leadership. How do you feel about that? Whilst we didn't dislodge them from the leadership, I would say that they have a very slim mandate to have control of the council. So the combined votes for the Green Party, Labour candidates and for the Liberal Democrats actually outpaces the Conservative vote. So though it is very disappointing, I would like us to see this as an opportunity for the council to reflect that actually people do want change and try and see the opposition parties not as the enemy, but as speaking up for the majority of the people. At the moment, obviously, the Conservatives have all the cabinet positions bar one, but I would like them to draw on the expertise, enthusiasm of the opposition parties. Let's look at some of the issues for the people in in Tunbridge. One big issue for anyone just going through Tunbridge or shopping there is the fact that the traffic goes straight through the centre, the main shopping area. What do you think can be done about that? The Green Party in Tunbridge and Morling would really love to see at least a trial of a one-way system through Tunbridge. I think it benefits everybody to make the centre of the town feel like a destination to visit rather than a sort of highway to hell with gridlock traffic. We need to make it more accessible to pedestrians, to people on bikes, and we need to ensure that we think carefully about what our priority is. Is it to allow drivers to dominate the high street or is it to make the high street and Tunbridge a destination bring tourists in, bring money in. And I think that can be done by careful planning of how the traffic is routed through the town. Another hugely controversial issue is housing. 
the Conservative leader, Matt Borton, seems fairly confident now that the central government targets are more flexible and therefore he can manage to meet the housing targets by mostly building on previously developed land known as brownfield land. Are you confident that no building, significant building will take place on green fields on the green belt? At the moment, I would love to say I'm confident. I would love that to be the case. The Green Party would like us to actually see a strategy of looking at what buildings are currently unused. We have disused buildings. There is some housing stock that's not being utilised in the best way. We would also like there to be an emphasis on looking at what housing we actually need at the moment. Is it flats that are appealed to people who are moving here from London or is it smaller homes for families to move into. I think at the moment we need to have a better idea of what's needed before we start deciding what we're going to build and where. One thing that local councils are are doing with a strong green influence is not using as many herbicides on the pavements to kill off those weeds because there are issues, potential issues, health issues as a result of using these chemicals. Would you like to see change there? I would love to see them not being used in Tunbridge and Morling. I think they are highly irritant. I've heard about cases where they are causing diseases like cancer in people who've been exposed to them for prolonged periods of time. I think that in a few years we will view this idea of spraying highly concentrated chemicals on the pavements that people are walking on, people are walking dogs, children are playing on, in the same way we now view people smoking in cars with children. And we will see this as reckless and completely unacceptable. Anna Cope, a councillor for the Green Party. The state of the parties in Tunbridge and Morling now looks like this. Of the 44 seats, the Conservatives have 20, Liberal Democrats 11, Greens 8, Labour 3 and the Independent Alliance Kent have 2. We'll return to the local elections in just a moment, but first an event that directly links West Kent's biggest towns. Friday the 9th of June is the date for a so-called mass cycle ride starting simultaneously in both Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells and converging on Southborough Common. The aim is to get a safe, dedicated cycle path along the route of the A26. To preview the Friday event, I spoke to Paul Mason of Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells Bicycle Users Group. So what's the problem at the moment? The problem is that the A26 is a congested and polluted road and there are many school children, probably 18,000 school and college students who could use that route to get to school and college if it was safe and pleasant and so forth. So what we're campaigning for is quite simple really. It's a good dedicated cycle route from Tunbridge Wells Town Centre to Tunbridge Town Centre There will be less traffic on the roads because, you know, a lot of the traffic on the roads is the sort of school run stuff and everybody will be a winner, including the motorists. Kent County Council are in charge of the roads. They say they've looked at this and they say that trying to put a segregated cycle route into the existing road width would be unsafe. What's your reaction to that? 
From Tunbridge Wells to Southbury, the road is quite wide enough for a segregated cycleway. But there are bits like Southborough where it's too narrow. Southborough is very narrow in the little stretch that goes through Southborough. You could either make it 20 mile an hour limit or you could make it even slightly a lower limit so that the differential between the speed of the motorists and the speed of the cyclists was much reduced and therefore they would feel safer. And the bit from the end of Southborough down to Tunbridge, there's plenty of room for a segregated cycleway. Are you sure even the, even some of the bits where there are houses on either side as you go down Hangman's Hill? It's a matter of design. I mean, for example, it could be a wide bi-directional cycleway on just one side of the road. A good designer, and a designer has already made a design for the road, PGA Associates, you know, can overcome all of those problems. The other issue is money. There isn't enough money for this, is there? If you read Kent County Council's active travel strategy, there is a paragraph which claims that for every pound you spend on cycling infrastructure, you actually get £19 back in terms of lower costs of public health and various other things. So the cost would actually be negative. And even if you don't accept that kind of argument, the cost is tiny compared with the amount that's spent on roads, £2 million to improve a roundabout here, 60 million to build a bypass there, 8 billion to build a new road under the Thames. I mean, the amount... That, that's the dot for crossing they're about to spend 8 billion on. Absolutely, the lower Thames crossing. And all we're saying is, take all that vast amount of money that's being used to widen and build new roads, which only serves to attract more traffic, and spend even a fraction of it on the cycling infrastructure, and you've solved a lot of problems. So what is this event that you've organised? At 6.30 on Friday, the 9th of June. In the evening? That's right. There are two rides. One of them starts from the Millennium Clock in Tunbridge Wells, the, the five ways, and the other starts from Tunbridge Station. The two rides converge on Southbrook Common. We're hoping that all sorts of people will come along, even people who are not normally prepared to ride a bike on the road, because we'll all be going along in a block, nice and slowly. It'll be very, very safe. It's going to be fun. But the point of it is to demonstrate to those local politicians who are really quite in favour of building more cycling infrastructure that it's not the demand of a sort of small, entitled minority of lycra-cad, middle-aged white men. It's something that loads of people want. Paul Mason from the Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells Bicycle Users Group, known as TTW Bug. So now to the election results from Tunbridge Wells, where the upshot was that nothing much changes. The Liberal Democrats stay out in front, going up from 15 to 17 seats. The Conservatives dropped from 12 to 11, as the Tunbridge Wells Alliance went up from 9 to 11. Meanwhile, Labour rose from 7 to 8 seats, and there's one independent. The Tunbridge Wells Alliance Party was formed five years ago to oppose £100 million of borrowing planned by the then Conservative administration to fund the building of a new theatre, council offices and car park in Calverley Grounds. That scheme was eventually dropped after the Conservatives lost seats in successive elections and more and more of their own councillors rebelled against the plans. The 2023 local elections seem to have proved that the Tunbridge Wells Alliance Party remains relevant even though the issue which created it is no longer around. Here's the party's chairman, Nick Pope. 
Tunbridge Wells Alliance been a, another very successful election. We held on to the three seats we were defending and we won two new seats. We're continuing our, our growth at every election and hopefully we can do the same or similar next year when it's an all-out election. But no, we're very, very pleased with the result. Nick Pope has now been elected Deputy Mayor. By tradition, this means he becomes the mayor next year, with a casting vote in the council that could become crucial. At next May's elections, every seat in Tunbridge Wells is up for grabs, after boundary changes and a drop in the total number of council seats. That could leave the council in a very different shape. Another prominent member of the Tunbridge Wells Alliance Party is the local restaurant owner, Matthew Sankey. In the council chamber, he paid this tribute to the work over the years of Nick Pope. Nick has always been at the forefront of all things neighbourly and community, and you only have to look at the number of schemes he's involved in to see how passionate he is about all things Tunbridge Wells. I can't remember the exact timelines or dates, but I was once invited to a presentation for a new theatre and civic complex project being held here in the town hall. It was not unordinary for me to be in the town hall and invited to such things. But upon walking in, I remember seeing Nick in the front row and I thought to myself, ah, this is probably a bit more serious than I first thought. Sure enough, it was, and I didn't realise at the time, and neither did the former council leader, David Dukes, but it was at these events that would be the catalyst for the biggest change in the political structure of this council for the foreseeable future. As the saga dragged on, I watched Nick and his new friends, uh, new friends form a brand new political party, win seats and of course eventually defeat what most people in the town consider quite a harebrained scheme. All this happened in a town where apparently you could stick a blue rosette on a pig and it would win. It's quite remarkable, Nick. So Nick opened the door to this chamber for those who do not have a political home in the traditional national sense. Nick set up a new political party within a month or two, was sat here in this council, having won an election. Since then, the party has grown to 11 members, has become, become a part of the administration, and has without a doubt become an everlasting fixture in this town's political history. Nick is the perfect person to lead us by example in what's sure to be a very exciting time as we move from 48 to 39 councillors. Thank you. Matthew Sankey of the Tunbridge Wells Alliance Party. The Liberal Democrat Ben Chapelar was re-elected as leader of Tunbridge Wells Borough Council. One issue that had come up in the campaign was the daytime ban on cars driving past the war memorial outside the town hall. Thousands of motorists have apparently accidentally missed the complex signage and been handed a £35 fine. Lots of drivers were pretty unhappy. 600 people have signed a petition on the Kent County Council website. That argues that the fines should be refunded and the scheme suspended, a stance also backed by the local MP, Greg Clark. I spoke to Ben Chapelar about the fines, but first, how had the election gone for his party? For the Liberal Democrats, we went up two seats overall, which was a good result. So we now continue to be the biggest party on Tunbridge Wells Borough Council with 17 of the councillors. And you've had the council meeting now, and so what's the makeup of, of the key positions in the cabinet as a result of it? Is, is there any big changes from last year? So we've... Um, we... You're still in charge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're continuing the borough partnership for a second year, which is a cross-party administration of Liberal Democrats, Labour, Tumsrewells Alliance and one independent. In Cabinet, there are four Liberal Democrats, two Tumsrewells Alliance and two Labour members. 
What do you think your biggest challenge is then for the next year? We're going to be focused on delivering the focus on five priorities, which are the council's priorities. Just spell Uh, them out briefly again, if you could. Okay, so the first one is safeguarding the council's finances. The second one is safer and more vibrant towns and villages. Three is carbon reduction. Four is generally affordable housing. And the other one is uh, governance and transparency and local democracy. So what we're going to be doing in the summer is we're going to be coming out to all wards in the borough to tell us what their views are on those five priorities as part of our focus on five borough-wide consultation. So we're standing in the town hall. There was quite a debate about certain bus lane fines that seem to have caught quite a lot of people who mistakenly drove past the town hall. Is there any thinking that this scheme should be reviewed, given how how many people, the vast numbers of people that have been caught by it? So just to explain that to residents, you cannot drive past a war memorial in Tunbridge Wells between 9am and 6pm. We believe it's the right thing to do. To improve, to one of our focus on fives is safer and more vibrant towns and villages. So we want to make that a success. The statistics show that actually we're now getting about 80% of people that go through there are now no longer doing it. So it's the last 20% of people who are ignoring warning letters, ignoring the signage who are going through. So it will take time to bed in, but people are getting the message that this is for pedestrians and cyclists now. So You don't think it's confusing for people who just come into the town centre for the first time? So, so we're, we've been told that the signage is correct, that, and it does say no entry between 9 and, and well, 6 Well, actually, there's a picture of a bus and a cycle, yeah. and then you deduce from that that you're no, not meant to drive, but by the chances are you're already driving past the sign at that point. Yeah. So we've asked Kent County Council, who are, as you know, the highways authorities, to go back and double-check the signage, but we think it's, it's clear. If people feel that they've not been treated fairly by the system and they get a fine. There is, in the process, a right of appeal, which the council staff will look at and examine and and determine. What we are finding, Martin, is that there are people who are still going through there despite having warning letters, and they're just trying their luck. And that is quite a a big number of the people who are still going through, as I understand it. And can you tell Google that it's not a way that you should be going? Because people are driving down there because it says so on Google Maps. My understanding is that that request went in in February when we started enforcing that uh, thing. But we're talking to Kent County Council. We had the Highways Cabinet member to have a look at it last week. And uh, we're doing what we can to make sure... So you're still open to feedback about it? Yeah, we're we're looking... we're, We're up for... For, for feedback but I think it's going in the right directions people are getting the message and it's clear and I think the news has travelled that you know post pandemic that bus lane is now being enforced for the good of residents you know we're trying to reduce the amount of cars that go through there every day it used to be 1200 a day we're probably at less than 200 now but also we're trying to improve the air quality on that pedestrian part of town as well. Ben Chapelar, leader of Tunbridge Wells Borough Council And in a statement on the bus lane fines, Tunbridge Wells Borough Council said from 20th of February until the 1st of April, we issued over 18,000 warnings to motorists seen contravening the bus gate restriction. After going to live penalty charge notices on the 1st of April, the number of drivers seen in the restriction has dropped considerably. So it is having the desired effect of making the town centre more pedestrian friendly. Whilst there is an income from the penalty charge notices, we have to cover the implementation costs of the scheme. But if there is an eventual surplus generated, 
By law, it can only be used to finance highway, transport, and environmental investment. Thanks so much for listening to this West Kent Talking podcast. Do leave some feedback on your podcast provider if you can. From me, Martin Weber. Goodbye.